0: And welcome to Utah Weekly Forum. I'm your host, Rebecca Cressman. And today we're going to talk about the Utah Hogle Zoo. I'm so excited because joining us is Jeff Meggs. He's the digital media and marketing with the zoo. Hi, Jeff. Thanks for joining us.
1: Hi, thanks so much for having me.
0: Hey, give us the latest. What is happening at Utah's Hogle Zoo? And even as I say that, there are so many animals there. So how are you going to give us an update on what's going on?
1: Uh, There's so many things going on, especially with spring just coming right now. Uh, we have a lot of uh, conservation initiatives, a lot of planting going on at the zoo, a lot of zoo babies we're expecting, all kinds of fun things. So there's quite a bit of things going on right now. Yeah. Oh,
0: so are, are there literal literal babies hatching right now? Is this when we go <laughs> to the zoo or are we going to have a chance to see that?
1: You know, it's possible. We do have quite a few zoo babies that happen around spring. But the interesting thing is sometimes we don't know about it until it happens. So it's tough to tell if some of these animals are pregnant or are going to have babies until we find them.
0: Well, you can't really <laughs> ask them, can you?
1: Right, exactly. <laughs> and, and some of them, the gestation period is so short that uh, animals like our Titi monkeys, have you ever seen those? The little guys in our small animal building?
0: And what are they called? What kind of monkeys?
1: Titi monkeys, T-I-T-I. I'm sure I've seen
0: them because I love the monkey exhibits.
1: Yeah, they're one of our smallest monkeys that we have here at the zoo. Uh, normally we just walk in and we find them. So one morning we walk in, we found another little baby there. and We're like, Oh, looks like we have uh, another one going on oh, here.
0: Oh, and <laughs> how big are the, those little baby monkeys?
1: Oh, probably maybe the size of a baseball, maybe a little smaller. Oh my goodness. When they're born. Yeah. Pretty small.
0: Wow. And then yeah. of course you have large animals that it's obvious when they're pregnant, like a giraffe, it would be obvious. <laughs>
1: Oh, definitely! Giraffes are pregnant for quite a long time. Um, it's, it's same with elephants, but I, I believe we do have a zebra that's expecting here soon. Don't quote me on that for sure. <laughs> Don't get your I'm, but I'm pretty positive with the way that she looks.
0: Well, that's where you see instead of just the black and white vertical stripes, things are starting to look a little horizontal.
1: She looks, yep, a little bit like she's eating too much lately. Yeah. Well, so. so did
0: I when I was carrying my big babies as well. And you, you mentioned the gestation of the giraffe. I right. don't, I, you might even have that on the top of your head, but it, it's more than a year. Is that right?
1: I believe, you know what? I believe it's about 15 months. Yeah. So it's, it's quite a bit with elephants. It's almost two years. So wow. can you imagine that.
0: Yeah, no wonder they, <laughs> they like to pick up water and spray. They got to do some right. kind of stress release on that. So um, conservation is a big push during the springtime. Talk to us a little bit about that, because as we come yeah. into the zoo, there's so many things to learn and to explore and to teach our kids and to learn as adults as well. So let's talk about conservation.
1: Absolutely, yeah. Our biggest initiative we have right now is called Party for the Planet. That's coming up on April 23rd, Uh, and leading up to that, we have quite a few events, too. But Party for the Planet is is our annual uh, celebration, almost, but also this year we're trying to get more people involved so they can do things at home, too, to help in conservation. So we have a bunch of uh, events you can sign up for. You can come participate in at the zoo, get information on what you can do. Uh, in years past, we've had things like, here's how to create a, a bat box to help with uh, – have bats in your yard to help eat the bugs. Some people don't want bats. Others, they do. Well, so we I want the bats them.
0: outside, Jeff, right?
1: Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, and then we also had, like, uh, someone come talk to us about bees and how they pollinate and why, what you can do to help uh, in your garden to uh, – um, Use, using bugs instead of bugs, you know, instead of poisons and things like that. Like we had a ladybug release we did into our garden that helps eat the aphids and keep your your garden nice and clean and free from pests. So.
0: Well, I'm I'm really grateful for the zoo. There was one time I was taking my children, and um, you know, we were learning a bit about butterflies, uh-huh. and I learned that certain butterflies only ate certain types of flowers, and that's right. why it was so you know, or only lay eggs on certain right. types, and that's why it was so important when people talk about planting a butterfly garden, right. and they're literally planting because they will fly by the other types of foliage if it's not the one that they're, you know, bi- biologically driven to eat and to uh, lay their eggs on.
1: Yeah. And, and you know, what's interesting is part of our Party for the Planet uh, initiatives this year has to do with what's called safe or saving animals from extinction. It's uh, where we're focusing on the North American monarch this year. So the North American monarch was... Uh, list was trying to, we were trying to get them on the endangered species list because their, their numbers have been dropping so dramatically in the last few years that we that as a, as a uh, we were trying to push to get them on that endangered species list. They were listed as, um, they probably should be on there, but they couldn't include them this year. So we decided to focus on that as part of the Saving Animals for Extinction program. Uh, and last year we planted, uh, along the Jordan River, we planted two pollinator gardens to help with that. Uh, But also we have uh, an opportunity for you to help plant pollinator gardens this year with our Jordan River Opportunities, too. We'll be doing that on May 21st. We're having a Monarch Way station we're planning along the Jordan River.
0: Won't that be exciting? In fact, I remember reading a bit that there was some kind of joint um, initiative going on. Is it with Disney? Is that right?
1: Uh, I think the Disney grant was something else. I, I don't know if that was in uh, to do with SAFE. I think that was another program another that we have Another part going on. of
0: conservation. But I just thought, how extraordinary this is, an invitation to right. join in. And and really, the monarch butterfly, I think, for many people, might have been one of the, the most powerful symbols of losing something so delicate and beautiful. Right. And and, and uh, I remember going on a hike, Jeff, up uh, Hobble Creek Canyon. I live down in Utah County. And there was a huge swarm of butterflies. And I kind of sat Mm -hmm. there and took photos of them and tried to determine they look like monarchs and then discovered, indeed, they weren't. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, they look like I can't remember what they were. But, uh, you know, so how are we doing? Have we been able to, as a country or as a world, help bring back the monarch, um, North American monarch butterfly or not yet?
1: You know, it, it's the, the initiative for that has just started. Okay. So uh, in the last several years, they've realized that these numbers are declining so rapidly that we have to do something. So this is our first big push as a zoo to help with the North American monarch. And you were actually correct. We did receive a grant from from Disney uh, for our uh, our Jordan River project in uh, partnership with the Jordan River Commission as well to help create those way stations, to help clean up the rivers, to help make it safer for all animals. Um, as you know, the Jordan River is just it has fish, deer and beaver and foxes and all kinds of, of animals along that that riverbank. so to, to start this initiative for not only the monarch butterfly but for every animal has just been been good for the entire community and good for the world because we, we need these butterflies. they're Absol- not only beautiful, they're essential.
0: Yeah, and you know when you introduce children to that idea, they buy in a hundred percent. Right. right. They they cherish the magic of of what it's like to sit for a bit and and have a butterfly land near you or a ladybug (laughs) life life in my my, at least in my humble opinion. There's a lot to learn from child's children slowing things down and 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 really noticing the beauty of this earth. okay so the North American monarch, that um, community event, what date is again? You said May?
1: The planting for the the, the mm-hmm. sorry the Jordan River Waste Station we're uh, going to be planting is on May 21st, Okay. and that's from 9 to 11. You can sign up on our website under our conservation uh, section of our website. Okay. That's listed there, but also it's under the uh, Jordan River Commission. You can find that on their website, too.
0: Wonderful. And basically, yeah. you're going to bring some shovels and tools and mm-hmm. get into your grubbies and get yeah. ready to do some work, right? It's,
1: it's, a, it's a great time, and, and our conservation department is fantastic. They're so passionate about this. And they're the ones that are organizing it, but they do a great job of getting people involved and getting them excited and teaching them why do they need to have this in the first place. Like, why is it important to clean up our waterways? So, they, And they're wonderful, and I'm sure that everyone that joins in will have a great time.
0: Well, and you mentioned Party for the Planet has things we can do at home, but there's also an event coming up in April. Tell us that date again, Jeff.
1: The event in April is on April 23rd.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And that'll be, I believe it's from, i got to remember the time here real quick. It's uh, party for the planet is from nine to two. That's right. There it is.
0: All right. So that'll be held here
1: on the grounds, and no extra ticket required. They can come in and join in on the activities. Sign up for some conservation events. And it's it's a great time.
0: All right, so we'll look forward yeah. to that. And again, we might get some more information about Party for the Planet and uh, the, the work at the along the Jordan River under the Conservation Link, right? Uh, yes, on the, correct. On huh? the zoo's web page. Okay, I kind of gave you a, a little general uh, invitation to tell us about the animals, but often you have new exhibits that are being uh, brought in or different exhibits that are being changed. What's kind of mm-hmm. happening construction wise at the zoo?
1: Construction-wise, we do have a a new exhibit that hasn't officially been announced that will be built here that's more focused on local Utah, uh, focused on the natural, the local wildlife, um, some local projects we're going to have that that we're still kind of in the planning stages uh, of that, but that should be coming hopefully in 2023. Uh, and we've uh, we've kind of announced that to some members but haven't made an official announcement just yet, but it should be coming in the next year or so with some more local species. As well, I'm not sure if you're aware that we have uh, a lot of what's called animal ambassadors on grounds that, that the public just doesn't see very often. If uh, you've ever had kids that have been in a classroom, like I think it's about third grade or so, we, we show up with those animals and we show them to the kids. Well, those animals aren't actually seen on grounds outside of the place where they're housed, because they're generally reserved to, to go out to the classrooms and things like that. Well, part of this new exhibit is going to be showcasing those ambassador animals to the public. So we have hundreds more that you haven't seen that you're going to be able to see once this launches.
0: I got to ask you, because I know you can't give all the details. And for those who just joined us, <laughs> this is Jeff Meggs. He is with Digital Media and Marketing with Utah's Hogle Zoo. One of those ambassadors is not the Wolverine, Right.
1: No, it's not. No, no. And I did hear about that, the wolverine that they found. That was fantastic. I'm sure you heard about that, too.
0: Yes. It, it, you know, it captured my attention, not just because I'm a Hugh Jackman fan, but the, <laughs> the idea that, you know, every 30 years there's a sighting of this rare right. animal and that they, they were able to put a tracker on him and uh, to be able to learn more about how and where he is uh, within yeah. Utah or how far he migrates and if there's any more out there that we haven't been able to see. Can I ask a question? Um, you know, we're running low on water um and mm-hmm. that this is another year where we're hearing the watershed will be low the drought is serious is is some of the education that utah's huggles are involved in talking about that or will that new local exhibit address some of that the idea that we're in a desert and and what can, we can do to help preserve the, the habitats around us
1: yeah, absolutely. water conservation is something we do we teach about in general at the zoo. Uh just try to promote that and, and promote health good practices. Uh some of the buildings that we have at the zoo are, are certified green so that they uh have a limited flow of water. Um, they're they're built in such a way that it's sustainable, we have solar panels on them and things like that, so in general we do teach about the water conservation and I know that uh, along with some of that uh, are, we teach about keeping our waterways clean, as we spoke about with the Jordan River, but I'm not sure if you know anything about the uh, boreal toad conservation uh, program we have too, which is part of the waterways. Um, the boreal toads have been, their population has been declining in the wetlands in Utah at those high elevations, and we're trying to figure out why. So we've been doing a lot of surveys and things like that for the last two decades to figure out why they're declining. Once we figure out why, we can help to fix it. And we know a lot of that has to do with some of the the droughts we've had recently. Uh, Their population just isn't increasing because there's not enough water. So what we can do to Help conserve that water. We do teach at the zoo just in a general way. We don't have any any major classes going on that talk about water conservation, but we do promote that. Yes.
0: So when you say serving, you have you know my, or biologists that are kind of out and about, studying and looking and counting and trying to find out what what they can about this toad population and why it's declining.
1: Yet yeah, they slap on their mm. rubber boots and go tromping around in the marshlands. Uh, to go try and find as many job. toads as they can. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so they, they they go and they try and count as many of those toads as they can find. Uh, and generally, the, that runs from about May to September, and it's it's like a day long trip with our conservation department, which is, again is always fun as they collect, collect the data on that. Uh, and in 2019, I know that we took about. Uh, took a lot of biometric data on about hundreds of toads, but we also released uh, about 90 boreal toads from our breeding program we have here at the zoo, too. So down in our basement in, in Asian Highlands, I know that sounds like a strange phrase, but we have, we have a little— uh, <laughs> In the
0: Highlands, They ha- there's a basement.
1: <laughs> yeah, in our Asian Highlands, we have a basement down there. And they have a little breeding program that actually breeds these boreal toads, and then we go and release them back into the wild. So we had one of of our most successful years at about 90 toads that we released, which was fantastic for that population.
0: Talking about party for the planet, right? Mm -hmm. Congratulations. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. And now, was there a new polar bear that arrived at the zoo?
1: There was. We actually had two in 2021 that showed Mm up. So the first one's name was Nikita, and he is just a monster. He is huge. But he is—he's so cute and just so much fun to watch. Uh, so Nikita, he's our male. He's about thirteen hundred pounds. Oh
0: my goodness! So he's—he's
1: a, he's a big boy. And if you know uh, the last two polar bears we had, the, the females' names were Hope and Nora, which since went on to other zoos for breeding programs and such. But they were only about five hundred pounds. So he is more combined weight than both of our two polar bears oh, we had here before. My. So Nearly
0: triple the weight. So. <laughs> right. He's my huge. My goodness.
1: So that's, that's the first one we had. And then Neva actually showed up as a uh, potential mate for Nikita. And in the last uh, month or so, we've been doing – last several months we've been doing it, but we've done what's called introductions because, uh, and if you know, polar bears are solitary in the wild. They don't, they don't usually travel in packs or herds. They, they kind of prefer to be on their own. And they only really come together during breeding season. So we've been doing these slow introductions to make sure they're going to like each other, to make sure they play nice. And Nikita has just been adorable with Neva. He would place little toys near her so she could get them. He would, uh, you know, just sniff around and try and, and and get her attention. Well, we've since introduced them in the exhibit, and they've just been best friends. Oh,
0: so, whew, happily ever after,
1: right? Yeah, we're, and we're hoping we're hoping that we'll have a successful breeding program here, a, a successful breeding with those polar bears. But of course, you know, you can't you can't force anything. You you put them together, you can lead a horse to water, can't make him drink. But uh, we hope that there's no maybe music. Someday,
0: there's no music in the background that you can play that makes polar bears that much more attractive to each other.
1: We'll try anything if you'd like. We'll play any music you want and see. <laughs> but, uh, we, they, pro- they really like each other so far. Yeah. We, we
0: have a few tunes uh, that we can loan you on that one. <laughs> That'd uh, you be know, great. one of the exciting things that uh, for me too, when I'm at the zoo or when, whether I'm broadcasting at the zoos, is to see the amount of volunteers that are yeah. there. And I know that you invite have, in the past, you've invited teens because they're uh, to also be part of a program where they yes. can. So, can we talk for a bit about volunteering as well with the zoo? Yeah,
1: so we're a nonprofit, so all of the, uh, a portion of every ticket that is purchased goes back towards conservation. Uh, along with that, we do have volunteers that just want to be here at the zoo and help out and teach people. So our zoo teens are just fantastic. We get them every summer or so. We get zoo teens that come in uh, and they they set it. They they walk around with those little carts, those mobile carts that you see with all the different fun things, and they like the animal pelts and the skins and trying to teach kids about. Uh, how to be safe, how to be clean when you're on the zoo grounds, make sure everyone's following safety protocols, but to make sure that they're having fun and getting engaged with animals and really making that animal connection. So that's our zoo teams, but volunteers in general just make the zoo go around. We, we love our volunteers. They're so helpful to us, and they're so friendly, and they just love being here. And we, we, we couldn't appreciate them more.
0: And it's such a dream opportunity for a lot of teens, especially, oh, yeah. I, you know, my, I raised all boys. I was lucky enough to have, uh, yeah, <laughs> and, and they all became huge lovers of, of right. nature and wildlife. And I think living in Utah, we have that opportunity to really uh, teach and appreciate and explore uh, wildlife uh, you know, oh, in its natural state. And, and, and so it's wonderful to have it cherished. I do, be, we only have a few minutes, five mm-hmm. minutes left together, but Jeff, now there is an animal and I can't remember. It's a type of bear. So I think it's near the Asian highlands. Um, maybe a, like a different panda that is single and has been looking for love <laughs> on the Internet. So yep. can you tell me yeah. more about that, Jeff?
1: Yeah, that is Mau Mau. He is uh, Salt Lake's most eligible bachelor, if you say so, for him. <laughs> uh, he is, uh, w- w- he's been looking for a mate. Uh, he has been cleared through this, what's called the Species Survival Plan. So that means they make a recommendation. They say, hey, we think that Mau Mau would be good to potentially mate with a female. So he's been on the hunt for a female, and he found one that uh, kind of piqued his interest. Her name is Priya, and she is from the Pueblo Zoo. So we we usually don't make that public, but, but most likely Priya is slated to come here and see if uh, there's some fireworks going on between the two of them. And so far, it's been, been pretty good. So we're hoping to see a Priya here hopefully sometime in April. And then visible to the public in May. All
0: right. So these are red pandas. And I remember a couple of years ago when the red panda exhibit opened up brand new. And I was expecting a really large bear like my idea of (laughs) a black and white panda. But the red pandas are quite petite.
1: Oh, they're so cute. And they love their cold weather. So we have a nice cold room for them. They sit in there and they eat their little bamboo leaves and they come out sometimes. And we have all kinds of air conditioning outdoors, too. But they're just adorable. and They're one of my favorites by far. They're they're so cute.
0: So if you're going to be going in the spring or summer, the best time is earlier in the morning or later in the evening when things are cool. If you want a chance to see uh, the red pandas out. Is that right?
1: Yeah, and we, we do have an air conditioner up top. That they kind of sit underneath, but during the hot weather, they like to be indoors a bit more. And we give them options if they want to be out or inside. But uh, because they eat their, their leaves and the, the eucalyptus leaves and bamboo leaves, it, um, it doesn't uh, have much nutrients. So they sleep to kind of make sure that that processes. So you might find them sleeping quite a bit. But you'll definitely have a chance to see them.
0: It's kind of like us at Thanksgiving, right? Exactly. Yeah. Gorge, sleep. Too much turkey. Try it again, right? Yep. And uh, by the way, if you want to follow the love life of the Red Pandas, it's up on uh, Utah's Hogle Zoo Facebook page. And you even show the picture of his love interest, Priya, who might be coming to town. So just thought that was a lot of good fun. Jeff, I understand there's some uh, congratulations uh, that that are due for the zoo. What just happened?
1: Yeah, thank you. The, the the National Wildlife Federation actually just certified Utah's Hogo Zoo as a certified wildlife habitat. So we're super proud of that, and and being able to get to that place, uh, a lot of that has to do with uh, helping to create a wildlife garden to attract birds and butterflies. But the, there's certain criteria, like you have to have food in the area for the animals, and water, and cover. Uh, places to raise young and also create sustainable practices. So that's a huge honor for us. We're very proud of the team here and what we've been able to do so that now we are that certified wildlife habitat to help wild species when they come and visit the zoo on their own to be able to find a place to, to nest and to survive here too.
0: Which is a whole other idea because most of the time we're, we're thinking any animal that we see in the zoo uh, is a, an animal that belongs at the zoo but right. it could be an animal that is just flying through uh, oh, yeah. or crawling through uh, <laughs> his or her natural habitat around yeah. the zoo. How, how great okay. is that? Congratulations Jeff. Well,
1: thank you very much. Yeah, I've, I've seen squirrels and birds and geese and foxes and and even the occasional uh, bobcat that we try to keep out but uh, they come to visit in the night anyways we have quite a few that, that come visit us here
0: so far you haven't had a moose try to get in though right
1: Not that I'm aware of. It's possible, but just not that we've caught yet. Yep,
0: you're near the mouth of the canyon. So we had a moose walk through our neighborhood. I've lived there for 21 years, and we lived near a Spanish Ford Canyon. And yep, a giant moose (laughs) walked through the neighborhood like all was well at at, at, dusk.
1: Well, they live, they live there, too. So. Yes, they do. <laughs> and as, as part of that, we also have what's called Wild Aware Utah. If you ever find a wild animal and don't know what to do, visit WildAwareUtah.org. Uh, I believe it's, .org, it's, just, it's the website called Wild Aware Utah, and it'll teach you what to do if you find a wild animal in your neighborhood like that, too.
0: Wild Utah? Wild
1: Aware Utah.
0: We have about three <laughs> minute, minutes together, and this is Jeff Meggs, who is with Digital Media and uh, Marketing with Utah's Hogle Zoo. Um, Jeff, what else can we do to, to be a? supporter of utah's hogle zoo
1: you know we have a lot of events uh, events going on throughout the year Uh, we've got uh, one coming up in may called our little creature feature we've got our zoo brews we have our chalk art festival Uh, so the best way you can actually help is just to participate Uh, like i mentioned every a portion of every ticket goes back to help wild animals in wild places so every visit to utah's hogle zoo is an act of conservation so we appreciate all the times that people come to visit us And know that every time that you visit, that money is going back to help wild animals as well.
0: That's a beautiful thing. And and hours for the zoo, do they change as the season gets warmer?
1: Yes, we've gone to 9 a.m. to 6 p.m. and our off season is 10 to 5. So we're we're on our summer hours right now
0: nine to six right now at utah's yep. Hogal zoo jeff Meggs, thank you so much for, yes. for uh, taking a, a bit of time to discuss the love lives and <laughs> and the, the possibility of a of a baby polar bear if all goes well cross and, your fingers yeah cross your fingers and and go see the large huge panda bear our part of me polar bear what's his name again the 1300 pounder
1: Nikita and Neva is the female. Okay,
0: you'll have a chance to see them as well and of course to learn more about conservation and the events that is on the conservation link on Utah's Hogle Zoo webpage. Thank you for joining us on this week's edition of Utah Weekly Forum. Yes, thank you. Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage
1: kids doing what teenage kids do.
0: When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything.